Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Michigan State has lost four games in a row. Mel Tucker and the Spartans did their best to hang around early against the mighty Buckeyes of Ohio State last Saturday. But when the final whistle sounded at a sparsely populated Spartan Stadium, the result was another lopsided loss and yet another setback in what is quickly becoming the worst season in Michigan State football since a 3-9 and finish in 2016. Will the Spartans be able to pick themselves off the mat in time for another home showdown with Wisconsin? We will discuss that and our takeaways from Big Ten Basketball Media Days on episode 88 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Thursday, October 13th, 2022. Thanks for being here, fellas. Uh, Matt, are you, are you sick about writing about blowout losses yet? Uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be a little different, you know. It could mix up like you lose 49-47 in one week, maybe <laughs> nine to six the next week a little variety in there so no I mean it's I'm last week when is expected I'm sure we'll talk about more about that obviously but um yeah it's just kind of it's a little bit uh it's kind of the same old same old at this point in time which everybody is well aware of on the flip side you can probably get some of that gamer done at halftime these days you know might get you out there a little quicker uh but I do find it interesting you know last year you know as a as a season ticket holder you know, we never went home sad last year. They won every single game at home. And then this year, it's just like completely flipped, just sadness leaving the stadium sometimes early, uh, not too early, but early. Um, so, yeah, it's just been that kind of a season. Uh, Kyle, welcome back from Minnesota. Shocking. You were able to find transportation to and from the tiny backwater town of Minneapolis. That was that was the most there were like people asking about that uh, up there. And it's like, like these coaches, it's like half an hour longer on their charter planes. Like, I don't I know. They act like they were having it like in Marquette, Michigan or something, you know, yeah, like I mean, it's it, like this is one of the biggest cities in the Midwest. Here. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I have respect for coaches, but they are like world class complainers sometimes when it comes to stuff, man. Like, wasn't that big a deal? So it was fun. I like Minneapolis. Good city. I've never been. I need to get there uh, someday. Maybe when the Spartans play out, play the Gophers out there, I'll I'll make the trip. But uh, uh, today we are going to talk about some hoops because I need some hope and football has me down bad. And also because I don't know how much there is to say when we just keep saying the same thing. You know, this team just isn't very good. They've got holes all over the place. We will talk about it. We can't ignore it. But a little healthier chunk of basketball on today's episode. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast, it'd be very much appreciated. Our uh, coverage of everything Michigan State is at MLive.com slash Spartans. You know where to find us on the Twitter, as some people like to say. Um, but yeah, appreciate everyone for listening. Let's get into the latest Michigan State loss, Matt. Um, a Another, you know, 
extended gap between Ohio State and Michigan State. The Buckeyes win 49-220. Michigan State, you know, hung around a little bit there in the first quarter, but ultimately giving up 614 yards of offense. And ultimately, uh, predictably, uh, C.J. Stroud and Co., just too much for this Michigan State defense. Yeah, again, it was was basically a repeat of last – of the, you know, last year you – it, it was another pick your score game for Ohio State. Um, you know, again, they what so 614, they had what was it 429 or 479, whatever it was, yards in the first half. I mean, again, just like last year, they could have, you know, damn near put up a thousand yards and, and scored 80 points if they really wanted to. Um, that's just the reality of the situation. Uh so, you know, like you said, there was a little fight. Um, you know, you they benefited from a miscommunication between Stroud and Buka early. Um, so an easy pick six for Brantley, but you know, we saw a nice, nice back shoulder throw, a nice catch by Jaden Reed for a touchdown and and like that, you know, oh, it's it's within eight. And then it just what 28 straight for Ohio State after that. There's just I mean, the mismatches are obvious. Um, you know, you had you know, when Jaden Mangum got hurt, and thankfully he appears to be okay. Uh, it was a scary injury, especially for a young kid who we had talked to last week and you know, engaging young man, but, um, you know, Michigan state safeties were two division two former division two transfers. Now, I think Kendall Brooks has played well with, with Henderson out and, and, you know, good job by Michigan state staff identifying him and, you know, a hat tip to Musin Muhammad there. But when you, the reality is you have two former division two transfers who are covering former five-star prospects. Now, both those situations can be misleading. Guys can play well above their level. They're overlooked, yada, yada. We see that with Justin White, who has is, who is contributed. But, I mean, that's just the reality. I mean, that's you can see it. And even when there were plays where, what was it, like third and eight or whatever, um, I, think, I don't remember if they – I think they actually may have even got a little pressure. It was a Halliday up the middle on Stroud. And he just lofts this perfect pass down the sideline. I think it was to Harrison. Speed is in good coverage. He's right on him, and it's a perfect throw on the money. Boom. And it just – so even when things went right, they could not get the stops and get off the field just because of the talent, you know, and, and that's that's just where they're at right now. Um, so, yeah, it was – you know, the game went as expected for the most part. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I mean, was anybody you – know, nobody was surprised by by the outcome, right? What do what did we say that they needed like last week? We said they needed something good to happen early. Yeah, you know, like I did we, six. And it did. I, I <laughs> yeah, either they, said it or wrote it or both, I think. But we you said know, it multiple times yeah. and they literally got it. They got the pick six and it didn't even matter. You know, it was the t- what did Mel call it? JV versus varsity. I mean, and you can see it. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. is an NFL receiver and he made NFL catches against guys. I thought Brantley you know, he got burned a few times, but I thought he held his own at times out there against these guys. And Stroud's just putting it right where it needs to be, or, or Harrison is going up and making a contorting over the head, falling down catch. I mean, coaches can talk about whatever they want. Coach speak, you know, we got to, we got to execute better death by inches, whatever. Sometimes the talent gap is just too big, you know, and, and Ohio state is one of those teams that just have so many five stars and Michigan state needs a talent influx still. And the gap is just too big for them to actually compete in these games. And that's not even just a Michigan State thing, you know. I mean, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, the talent gap that these teams have on everyone else, I think it's a concern for Ohio, for, for college football in general. And I don't know how you guys feel about that. but 
I, I think if you listen closely to Mel Tucker uh, after that and lately, he's being a little bit more forthright and kind of saying, hey, you know, we just don't have the dudes right now. Um, and, and I don't think that's completely letting his coaching staff off the hook because I don't think they've been perfect. But I think um, I think the biggest issue is just personnel um, and, and not having it. And it's the coaching staff that, that puts the roster together, too. So it's, I mean, it's not like it's the kids' fault. Uh, but um, the idea that this is like some sort of scheme issue at this point, I mean, I think that's, I, I think we're past that and just looking at, they, they just don't have the horses this year. They, they, and, and injuries played a part of that, but, um, I, to, to me, it's, it's way more personnel than anything else. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, this is, it's not like they're not trying new stuff. Um, and again, the injuries, I think, you know, I don't know that I can't s- Actually, probably not. I, I don't think I don't know that there'd be a, a, one more win in the column if, if they were fully healthy, but it sure as hell hasn't helped. Um, they just you got to think that it wouldn't look maybe the Ohio State game would be bad, but you got to think, you know, Minnesota doesn't come in there and drop them if all these guys are and maybe they will. Maybe they would. But I do think injuries are playing a factor in maybe not like the results, but how the games look. They're just yeah. they're non-competitive. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the Maryland game was competitive. But the other three just haven't been. Um, and I don't know what, what else to say. You know, they just – it's just not a very good team this year. And, and when you look at the schedule, it's probably going to – you know, good chance it gets worse. So We tried to, we tried to say something positive. You know, we point out Jaden Mangum, you know, emerging as a freshman last week. And then he gets hurt in a, in a really scary moment. You know, I mean, I'm glad he's okay. That for sure, that's the thing that matters most. But, like, that's just kind of how the season's going. You know, like you try and point out a positive – and then something negative happens, you know, it's, there just hasn't been a whole lot to cheer about for this, for this team this year. And it's, it's just a stark contrast from last year when it seemed like, you know, every third, every third series, something like crazy was happening or they were making the plays in the moment when they needed to, or somebody would step up and it's just not happening at all this year. I think it is a talent issue. Uh, you know, Mel is upping the talent. You would think at least in terms of recruiting websites through the, through recruiting, um, but it's going to take time for those guys to get in there. These aren't the kind of young guys that you can just throw in right away. I mean, you'll find a few of them, but you know, you, you're going to have to give these time to get them in there. Yeah. And, and I know fans are frustrated and, and you hear a lot of people like, well, play these guys, play the young guys. And I just, I don't know how many times you can say it. Do you really think the coaching staff is not playing the guys who they think are the best players? Right. You know, they're the ones that are watching these guys in practice every day and watching them compete. It, it, they are going to be playing the best dudes they got, and there's no doubt about it. I mean, I know people want to see something different, but what happened? Uh, so fine, you, you know, five all you know, put five redshirt freshman offensive linemen in. Do you really want to know how that's going to go? And that'll take five seconds before you know people. Well, what do you? What the hell are you doing? You know, go. With, it's just here's my question though. Can the season get to a point where they just take a step back and say for the the best thing for this program, big picture is to get these young guys reps. I'm not saying put them all in and start them all, you know, on the offensive line, play them the whole game. But like, Hey, if we get these guys meaningful game reps in the big 10 this year, these are our dudes for the future. And we're better set up for next year. And we're not playing. I mean, coaches are loath to like publicly quit on a season like that. And that would be the indication, which makes me think it's probably not going to happen, but like there's a case for it. Right. That's not crazy. I mean, I know exactly what you're saying. I agree to extend it, but it's that um, what, catch 22. So, I mean, just to keep the offensive line as an example, who's going to be left from there? 
You know, you have Jared Horses in his last year. You know, Brian Green is the sixth guy. He's in his last year. Other than that, you know, you've got um, Duplain and Samak at your left guard and center. You know, they can come back. They've got eligibility and you get Spencer Brown. So, yeah, I mean, so you'd like to obviously get some of those guys reps and at least work them in. Um, but again, you know, are you are you really putting them out there the second series against Wisconsin on Saturday? I, I mean, we had Kapilovic, uh this past week. And, you know, he was honest. He said, look, these are the best guys we've got. I'm playing my best guys because every series is critical. And, you know, basically we don't have any room to mess around. And that's where they're going to continue to be. And I I don't know if I I think if it was close, like, you know, you know, again, to stick with the offensive line, like Chris has said in the future, if you have a guy where it's that close, then, yeah, we'll play him. But if there's a significant difference, you know, what are we doing? And then if you're benching your seniors and your leaders, for guys that have that they know aren't close to their level in practice, I don't know what that does for the team overall and morale. That yeah, I think that's a slippery slope that you get on. I mentioned uh, the sparsely populated Spartan Stadium at the end of the game. There, I mean, I was sitting around a lot of Buckeyes, you know, trying to keep my cool, but a lot of red in there, not a lot of green by the end of the game. What did you make of Mel's answer about uh, you know fans leaving early? And I personally, like, I'm someone who used to get mad about that people leaving, the students and whatever. But like when this product's being put on the field, I don't blame anyone. For yeah, and that's you know that was I think the big takeaway from him was yeah. So we got to play better. <laughs> like basically, I don't blame them. You know, and stadium was full. Yeah, like, start of the game. Remember you know? last year? Mostly. I don't I don't recall which game it was, but obviously it was a win because they won every single home game last year. And then afterwards, the Maryland know, game. Well, okay, so and then Mel tweeted the thing about thanks. You know, next time stick around. You know, you can't say that this year because what, you know, what reason would there be, you know, um, <laughs> you know, you know, the, the, un, he, the thing he said was, you know, he's never, there's like a handful of people in his life he can count on for unconditional support. And then he went, you know, he said, I coached Ohio state, I coached Alabama, I coached, uh, you know, Georgia, you know, all these places and the fans never had that. And that's understandable. You know, what, you know, when it's four straight week of a double digit loss, and what you know it's not even a competitive game what do you how can you really blame fans for leaving you know I mean, people got stuff to do you know they already paid their money to get in there they've committed time and you know just go about your day if that's what you mm-hmm. want to do so perform better and i guarantee you people won't be leaving if they're in this game if yeah. they're winning this game against wisconsin I guarantee you spartan stadium will be electric i mean but spartan fans have shown they're going to stick around if the, if the product on the field is worth doing it for i don't think it's anything more than that i think i don't think it's that oh the the fans are losing faith in l tucker the fans are losing faith in the program or they're not going to show up to spartan stadium like i don't know I, I think that's pushing it a little too far but i also don't blame people for leaving in this instance let's move ahead i mean ohio state pretty much handles business as expected huge home spread and they end up uh, taking care of business. Michigan State has another home game against Wisconsin this week. Uh, Wisconsin is about a touchdown favorite at home in Spartan Stadium. Michigan State leads the all-time series 30 to 24. I didn't realize this guy that Wisconsin's won two in a row. The last two games haven't been very competitive, but I I didn't realize that they've only played uh, three times since the 2011 Big Ten Championship, which was the first Big Ten championship, uh, the Russell Wilson game. And, you know, Michigan State went and, and beat Wisconsin in a close game. 
in um, in 12, and then Wisconsin took care of business the last two times, and those games weren't really competitive. Um, Wisconsin, you know, like Michigan State, has had a rough season. They're they're uh, three and three right now. Wins over Illinois State, New Mexico State, and Northwestern. Losses to Illinois State, Ohio State, and a 34-10 loss against Illinois at Camp Randall, which got Paul Chris fired. Uh, you, you can't lose to Brad, your old your old boy Brett Bielema like that, and uh, keep your job apparently. Um, but you know, not a vintage Wisconsin team either. Really, this year they haven't beaten anyone either. Just like Michigan State, we know what Wisconsin does. They have big, beefy linemen. They run the ball with Braylon Allen, who has 634 yards rushing. He's averaging almost six uh, six yards a rush this year. Graham Mertz had a good game uh, last week against Northwestern connecting with, uh, I believe it's Chamira DK. I believe that's how you say it. He has 25 catches, 442 yards and four touchdowns, but I think three of them came last week. So this is a typical Wisconsin team. They run the ball. Michigan state knows that we thought that would be a good matchup for them in the Minnesota game. And that ended up not being the case. The question here, Matt is, uh, will Graham Mertz turn into an NFL quarterback just like Tanner Morgan did? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but they, you know, they need to do something against an established quarterback and Graham Mertz is hardly, you know, uh, CJ Stroud, um, coming off a good game, obviously, but when, when that, you know, it was what 290, whatever yards was his career high, you know, that t- says a little bit about, uh, everything. Um, I'm just, I'm curious on what, what, what the lingering effect of the coaching change will have. Was it a one week thing? Was it just a, you know, you get a spark and the change leads you to a, you know, a lopsided win against a, a bad Northwestern team, or is this something that, that is more for them? Um, and you've kind of seen this trend around the country. Um, what Georgia tech, what are they two and oh, since, since, <laughs> since what's the name got fired. And like, you've seen interim coaches have some success. Nebraska Grant, won some. Yeah. Nebraska is what two and one. Um, so I don't know, maybe there's something there. And, and I think big picture, they wouldn't have, you know, I was really surprised when when the news came out that you know, a couple Sundays ago that Chris was fired. But if you think, if you think Leonard is the guy and you think it's time, like, look, all right, this is just getting stale. You know, yeah, you know, Paul's had success, but we we don't see this. We don't see him coming out of this kind of tailspin. And you think Leonard's the guy, then just do it. You know, they want to keep him. He's a rising star. You know, his name's come up and, in other um, positions, other openings, people wanted to poach him from Wisconsin, even if it was just a DC role. Um, so yeah, a young guy, bright coach, you know, successful player. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe he's the guy, and he turns Wisconsin around, and they get some, and they actually have a decent season out of this. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see what that'll look like Saturday because they're a team that has a little bit of buzz even in a three and three season, and, and Michigan State is just going in the opposite direction. You know, there's very little. <laughs> to feel good about um in the last month obviously when they fired chris it felt like I, to me it felt like bo pelini vibes honestly i mean chris yeah. has done well he ha- i mean i know wisconsin fancies itself as you know this top you know 15 20 level program and maybe they are but you know bo pelini went in nine games a year at nebraska they fire him nebraska hasn't recovered since uh, you know, it's not like he was doing bad. I know he, he's in the West and he, he got him to three title games. It's a little easier to do out of that division, but what does Wisconsin think they're going to turn into? Cause they're not, they don't seem like they want to, in, uh, invest a ton in NIL, at least not on like an elite level and they've never recruited on an elite level. So I, I guess I just wonder what they think the next step is, you know, in firing him because I was surprised. What was the story? I don't remember who wrote it. Maybe it was the athletic, but it was something about it was this player who is 
like a upcoming recruit and he went on a visit to Wisconsin and nobody talked to him. <laughs> and it's just like, I think the implication was that when Mel basically gutted Wisconsin's um, recruiting department by taking Saeed Khalif, I think the implication was like, they just like Chris just kind of punted on the situation. Um, I don't know if there are internal things like that, 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 you know, admit that they, the athletic director who is a former player, right. You know, if he, you know, he sees things trending in the wrong direction, just like makes the call. And maybe, you know, you mentioned the Bo Pelini thing. Absolutely. That, that could come back to bite him. You know what? Lloyd Carr never did enough winning eight, nine games at Michigan. We saw what disaster that turned into. Um, so yeah, maybe that, but I don't, I mean, what's Wisconsin's identity going to be? I mean, they're successful doing what they've always done. You get a bunch of, as Mel called them, massive human beings up front on the offensive line. You get some good running backs and and you pound the ball. You take a few shots when you need to, and you play good defense. I, I don't see that changing at all. You know, you don't imagine you're going to camp. Randall's going to turn into, you know, the, uh, run and shoot offensive uh, display, you know, that's just, I don't know. I think some programs have their identity in Wisconsin in the big 10. We know what their identity is. So maybe Leonard, I think has a good shot. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's rare when you see a guy get the interim tag and, and you think, well, he, he's probably the guy unless he really screws this up. And that yeah. kind of looks like the case here. This feels like a big game for both programs. I mean, Wisconsin and Michigan state, have been upper tier big 10 programs, you know, for the last decade or so, uh, you know, two of the better programs in the big 10 year in and year out. And they're both having down rough years this year. It feels like a big program game for both of them. It feels like a big pride game, especially for Michigan state. I mean, if you're going to go two and five, Oh my goodness, with Michigan Penn state still on the schedule trip to Illinois, et cetera. I mean, it's, it could get ugly real fast. If you're Michigan state, this feels like a game where if Michigan state is going to salvage anything from this season, any sort of, you know, something you can look forward to and build on. You got to win a game like this because Matt, you brought it up multiple times. The 2020 season. Yeah. It was a bad COVID season, but you got the win at Michigan. You get, you get handled by Indiana and you come back and you upset a Northwestern team that was in the top 15. So, you know, you just need wins like that every once in a while when things aren't going well to sort of reinstill at least hope for the future or reinstill like, Hey, look, we got to keep grinding. Then good things will happen. Um, it just feels like a huge game that they need to win. And it does feel winnable to me uh, with the way Wisconsin has played, despite Michigan State struggles. But one thing I wanted to ask you, you know, you mentioned kind of going back to our young guy discussion. Um, you know, everyone's going to look at the quarterback. Peyton Thorne has not had a good season. There's no other way to put it. We talked about him needing to take a step for this team to take a step. That hasn't happened. In fact, the opposite has happened. In my opinion, this feels like the first game where, like, if, if they got off to a bad start, and they weren't moving the ball, that Noah Kim could get put in to see if something could happen. Do, do you think that's off base? Mm, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. Um, I just, uh, what is it looking like? And, and what are the reasons why? Um, I, I, I know what the deal is. You know, when people, when anything goes wrong, the, the you know, the, the center of the dart border is always the head coach and, and the quarterback. And that's never going to change. Um there's just, yeah, Peyton Thorne hasn't had a great year. There's no, there's no doubting that. There are a lot of reasons why. I don't know that he his play isn't even where he would rank. Like if you put together a list of the top 10 reasons Michigan State is two and four right now, you know, I, I don't know where he's on that list. He sure sure as hell isn't number one. Um no. we I mean, the obvious, the run game. When you can't run the ball, 
all the pressure, you know, so much pressure is put on their quarterback. They had seven rushing yards last week. Seven. We 7.4 average as a team. Seven damn yards. The, the fewest, what's one of the worst rushing performances in program history. Their fewest total since minus 48 in that uh, bowl loss to Alabama to cap the 2010 season. And if you can't move the ball on the ground, everybody's going to focus on your quarterback. And Peyton t- this week was talking about how they're seeing more, you know, too high safeties. You know, they're not respecting the run game so they can just load up again, you know, and not allow them to take the deep shots. And that's tough. And he, and he hasn't been great this year. He, you know, he hasn't been, he's actually completing a higher percentage of his past, I believe, but you know, you see missed throws here and there. And I I don't know the Kenneth Walker effect. You lose a guy like Jalen Naylor who, who, you know, could take the top off a of defense with his speed and it just, it just doesn't come in together. So, I mean, and I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I it would have to see what it looks like. I think he'd have to struggle a lot. Um, before there was something like a first half quarterback change, I think the coaching staff would have to look at it and say it's clearly these are the, he is the problem right now. He is not doing X, Y, and Z, and you know I just haven't seen it. That's all on him. And he was sacked but four times last week. You know he was yeah. under a lot of pressure on on Tuesday. He admitted that he's not fully healthy. He he put it in the you know his ability to run the ball. It's not like he said. <laughs> Was it the 2018 season when Brian Lewerke was saying, you know, I, I can't make all the throws right now because because of the shoulder injury? And you're like, okay, the starting quarterback out, says he can't make all the throws, <laughs> but he's still better than your backup. Okay, I guess that's where we're at. Uh, no, but Peyton was talking about, you know, he's just not um, – he doesn't have to – he's not full speed in the run game. But, again, where would Peyton Thorne's ability to run the ball right now fall in Michigan State's problems? Not the not the highest. Um, so he says he's mo- he's still mobile enough. And he can still play at the level he's wanting to. So, um, yeah. I guess that's the that was kind of the reason that I just threw it out there because he's not hel- he's not fully healthy either. So that was just kind of what got me thinking. And I know it's against backups and in garbage time, but I do see Noah Kim when he gets in there. He doesn't seem like phased, and he he has made some nice throws in mop up duty. Yeah, so I it- guess you know. Yeah, I mean, he was what? Oh, he missed his first three pass attempts against Ohio State, and I think the success you saw from him was was mostly you know against their backups, obviously. Um, but again, you know, not to knock, no, he he has looked ready. He's taken he's taken advantage of his opportunities so far this year, and I am played pretty well. Um, although again, mostly in um, you know mop up duty um, in what three games now, four games, whatever it is. Um, so. Well, we'll see. I mean, like I said, I think this is a big game for Michigan State, not in terms of like, you know, making anything out of the season, but just I think just to restore some sort of confidence or positive vibes or anything, because everyone is down bad right now. Well, <laughs> the if thing, they're going to make a bowl game, if they're going to become bowl eligible, yeah, this is huge. I've kind of tossed that out the window. Yeah, to be well, yeah, I know. But like if you <laughs> you lose this game, then you're facing a trip to Michigan, then you're probably going to be two and, and you know six going into the last month of the season then you have no no margin for error unless you want to get in five and seven with an APR score um okay. but if you win Saturday which like we said is a winnable game it's still a stretch but it's not out of the realm of possibility that out of the remaining five games on the schedule you could pull off you know three more wins Rutgers and Indiana obviously look like the 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 best shots for victory there and you know, who the hell knows with a couple of the other ones. Kyle, did you have anything on the Wisconsin game or should we just get to hoops? No, I think you guys got it covered. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I, I hate to cut football short in the middle of October, but 
there's just not much else to say right now. The team hasn't looked good. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say until they give us something to actually talk about. You know, that's po- from a positive standpoint. You know, we're going to call it how we see it. So uh, let's get into basketball. Hope, as some might put it. Uh, Kyle, as I said, made the trick trip out to Minneapolis uh, for Big Ten Media Days. He was there for a couple days, all the coaches and players gathering there. Uh, Tom bringing half the team with him out there. I don't know if they needed to get a flight just for themselves. Uh, was that the starting lineup he brought out there, Kyle? Uh, no, probably not. Cause, um, as we can talk about, it certainly sounds like Marty's going to be, uh, one of the starters, but, uh, pretty darn close to it. Um, and, and to me, that was just, that kind of said something about this team because I mean, people don't know how media days work, but most teams have two guys there, three, um, around then, um, Minnesota had one and they were like the local team. They had to drive across, they only had to drive across town. <laughs> and they still only brought one. Um, but usually, I mean, you know, teams got one or two stars, one or two, you know, veteran go-to guys. Uh, and Michigan state doesn't have that. Um, they have, it's really kind of been this way since Cassius Winston left. Um, a lot of pretty good players. Um, uh, nobody really standing out head and shoulders above the rest. Um, and I'm sure we'll keep arguing whether that, they can make that work, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think last year, you know, middle of the season, we we're talking about how it was kind of a bad thing. Uh, Malik Hall certainly made a case yesterday when he was sitting at a very cramped table with four of his teammates that um, they have a good setup and, you know, someone's having an off night, someone picks it up. You know, there's a lot of leadership voices, you know, all that, those sorts of things. But, um, you know, I, I still think somebody's kind of need to step up from those five um, to, to kind of be a dude for them. I thought it was uh, when Tom was up there on the podium, he's like, you know, people are talking about, you know, needing leaders. And some, I think someone asked about AJ Hogard and he's like, well, he's vocal. And then he's like, he has a voice, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't always have a voice in the right way, but he has a voice. And then what do we get? Like what? 10 minutes later, we have the best backcourt in the big 10 quote, AJ Hogard. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, uh, what did you, uh, what did you uh, make of that? I mean, I think he's, they definitely have an argument. I think Indiana, Illinois might have something to say about that, but uh, I mean, what did you make of him going out and being so bold like that? Well, yeah, I mean, Indiana fans seem to think that they have the national title locked up already. Yeah. Um, I think they forgot that, yeah. you know, what Indiana basketball has been for the last decade, <laughs> yeah. which is maybe sneaking to the tournament. Uh, so right. they need to chill. Kind of reminds me of when Illinois started emerging and now all their fans think they're like, you know, top five program right. but uh anyway sorry back to yeah, Hogarth no I had to get my Indiana shot in there um I, <laughs> I mean that was like that was kind of what they were highlighting yesterday that was maybe a little new is I think Israel feels really good about this backcourt and um I think you know even though the Big Ten probably utilizes centers and big men more than a lot of other leagues as far as style of basketball um Israel still feels like teams with the best backcourts um are usually the teams that go the farthest uh in the season and Michigan State um you know brings back I mean I know they lost their two wings but you bring back two capable point guards uh, I think Tyson Walker is going to be a little bit more off the ball I mean he shot 47 percent from three last year so you bring him back they're really excited about Jaden Akins he's probably got the most excitement from within the team of any guy um and you should mention he did not have his boot on yesterday. He said he'll be back on the practice court in one or two weeks and has every intention of being out there for the opener. So seems like um, his injury situation uh, should be clearing up here. Um, and yeah, I think they're going to be able to hope to rely on that. Um, got a couple 
um, the Malik Hall, Joey Howard here to kind of supplement that. And I think they're hoping that can um, kind of help overcome uh, a pretty obvious uh, deficiency at center, which, which we can talk about too. But I mean, if I think Tom's saying, Hey, we got a good backport, we got a veteran backport. Uh, they think that can take them away. Is Mati Sissoko the most important player on the team? I mean, they need him for defense and rebounding because I don't know who else is going to bring that toughness factor to this Michigan State team. I mean, maybe some of these other guys, Joey, Malik, you know, maybe they can show they're going to be a little more gritty than they have been in the past. But Jackson Kohler, by all accounts, seems more like a finesse player. Mm-hmm. And Mati's going to have to bring that that nasty side, you know, so- that, the best, that the best Michigan State teams have. It's it's interesting, and I'm I'm curious if you were surprised by this. So I asked, like I I was kind of reading the tea leaves, thinking that the center was going to be kind of a a position battle, somewhat, you know, and that you know Jackson Kohler and Mighty Sissoko um, would both kind of be candidates for that starting job. I I think it's always you always kind of lean towards the more veteran guy with Tom Izzo. Um, but I, I thought that Kohler would be at least pushing him um, through camp. But when I, I asked Israel basically for an update on it yesterday, I said, uh, you know, how, how are those guys doing? And he, he said, Madi is significantly ahead of him and um, pretty definitive, like he's the guy. So I, I don't know if that's um, just that, that we're getting close to the season and Tom's kind of trending towards the defensive guy. I mean, maybe Mati Sissoko really is making big strides. Uh, but in the next sentence, he admitted, like, yeah, he's still limited offensively, um, but he's really gotten a lot better defensive rebounding. And, and I think they're to the point now, like, you look at the other guys that are going to be out on the floor with him. There's a lot of shooting. There's a lot of scoring potential. And I think, you know, it, it'd be nice if Jackson Kohler gets up to speed and can contribute. But if they got four guys out there that can shoot the three-pointer, that can score points and your center is maybe limited offensively, but is going to, as you said, be the tough guy is going to defend is going to rebound. Maybe that works. Um, I don't, I don't think you want to be four on five um, on offense. I don't think that's ideal, but um, if it's helping you that much on defense, um, maybe that makes sense. But I, I guess I was a little surprised that like, that's not even a consideration, you know? And, but the, the other point, last point on that is Monty Sissoko has got to, defend without fouling well enough to play starters mm-hmm. minutes and that's still very much a question too yeah i mean if you're a michigan state fan i think you should be ha- i mean it could be coach speak it could just be him trying to pump him up because he knows he needs him but if you're a michigan state fan you should be glad to hear that you know Mati sissoko a junior is well ahead of the true freshman in terms of being ready to play you know if you do need a back to the basket big someone who can get a bucket maybe kohler can come in there and get you a bucket but I don't need Sissoko to be that great offensively. Michigan State has played with guys, big men, who haven't been great offensively before. And if you have enough scoring elsewhere, it can be okay. But like you said, the biggest thing with Sissoko, the raw abilities we've seen, we've seen it before, but he has to play under control. You know, Mm -hmm. there's been so many times when he gets in there and he's like a, he really is like a runaway train. You know, he's just (laughs) out there like trying to, you know, trying to do what the guys are telling him to do, but he's just so raw and he's, fouling people and his arms are out there just flailing with a massive wingspan and he's accidentally hitting dudes in the face and he's like public enemy number one in the state of Illinois because he took out Io and he's a dirty player you know and it's like no he's just wild he's like the wacky inflatable tube man right now you know he's he's got to learn to refine his game and play under control I think that's the biggest step because the natural abilities are all there you know 
Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. So I, I'll be curious to see if he can kind of take the next step and be, be reliable. I mean, I, I think if Michigan state fans were put off by that, it's because they've seen so little, of they've seen what small a role that Mighty Sissoko played, you know, and, and uh, um, I, I think it's easier to believe in what you haven't seen than what you have seen. You know what I mean? And they haven't really yeah. seen Jackson Kohler in a big 10 uniform. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube highlights can only take you so right. far, you know? Um, yeah, but you know, Madi just, he definitely needs it. He definitely needs to bring it this year. I was going to make a point and I completely forgot it, but is there any, I'll try and remember, are there any other things that stuck out to you from the day? So, um, you know, without getting too deep into the weeds, we, we did kind of go in depth with Tom Izzo about his, his kind of roster building philosophy in the portal era. Um, and, and we got a big story up on it on mlive.com slash Spartans right now that kind of details it all. But basically, suffice to say, I mean, he kind of laid out his philosophy as I'm not going to use the portal to like basically improve a position where I have guys like I will fill a hole with the portal. Tyson Walker, we needed a point guard point guards were leaving. Um, but if he's got two centers on the roster coming in, he's not going to take a portal guy over them. He took a freshman under them, but he's not going to recruit over his current players with a portal, if that makes sense, because um, a couple of reasons. One, he doesn't think it's fair to players. He thinks he made them a promise and um, that he would give them every opportunity and opportunity to develop. Um, And he thinks that recruiting portal guys over them is not fair to that. And two, um, he doesn't want to have the the constant carousel of guys in and out um, from a continuity standpoint um, from a culture standpoint. And, you know, I think he, he basically making a bet that um, having roster continuity, having year over year development and having chemistry between guys who play together multiple years is going to win out at the end over these maybe on paper, more talented collections of players that come together uh, via the portal. Um, you know, he brought up the NBA. He didn't say them specifically, but he was pretty clearly talking about the Brooklyn Nets who put together a bunch of guys on short-term contracts who come together and aren't very good. And, um, not to say the Golden State Warriors aren't, um, um, aren't talented because obviously they are, but he, his point was those guys have all played together for forever and they're all 10, 11, 12, 12 year vets. Um, and you know, he, he didn't say it, but you can look back at the Duke game, you know, when that was one of the most talented college basketball teams I've ever seen that they beat in DC with a less talented team, but it wasn't all freshmen. It was third and fourth year guys who've been playing together for a while. So um, he's kind of, he's that's making his bet and he's admitting, Hey, this is taking a risk and I'm going to sit there while other teams add talent. My opponents basically add talent from this talent pool that I'm probably not going to dip into very much and count on um, kind of this philosophy that I have. So it's, it's interesting. It's against the grain. Uh, it's risky. I know people don't like it, but he's at the point of his career where he can do that. And he's, he's admitting it might not work, but um, I, I do think there is something to what he's saying as far as like the most talented teams aren't winning. And I think in college basketball specifically, um, the th- you know, roster continuity, um, identity, culture, those things, I, I think they do matter. So it, it'll be interesting. I agree. I, I've warmed up to the, the uh, you know, the zigging when everyone's zagging or whatever, zagging when everyone's zigging. I've warmed up to it because I do think they have good players on this team. It's not like Michigan State is is devoid of any talent, you know, like this isn't 
you know, Cleveland state for lack of a better team. You know, it's not like they don't have a bunch of four stars on the team. You know, mm-hmm. they have more talent coming next year. So I do think there is something to said for continuity and, and maybe with this team, because of the short roster, only 10 scholarship players, you know, we're not going to see a lot of rotations or at least not as many as we've seen in the past. I think he mentioned how Jay Wright was playing with six dudes in the NCAA tournament last year and they went to the final four. We've seen right. Duke do that. We've seen Carolina do that. You know, they, if you have guys that know how to play together, you can make it happen. The biggest thing is just going to be, and it's worked for Michigan State in the past, is is these guys got to develop. You know, if they come in with the same team they had last year, they're not going to be very good. If all these guys take a step from playing with each other, if Hauser's more comfortable as a leader on the team, if Tyson Walker, after the transition year, is just a stone-cold killer when it comes to scoring the ball, these things will make, if Malik Hall can b- prove to be more consistent, if Monty Sissoko take a step, there's a lot of ifs. But you could see the path for Michigan State to be a very solid team this year if certain things happen. Now, we thought some of this would happen last year, and it didn't happen. So, you know, it definitely could go both ways. I could see this being one of Izzo's worst teams, or I could see them being one where they come out of nowhere and surprise a lot of people. Because another thing I want to talk about, the Big Ten feels pretty wide open this year. I mean, it's, yeah. it's who's the favorite? People say Indiana, but... I, I, I didn't, I didn't do like a team poll. Um, I would probably put Illinois, um, because I, a, I mean, I think they did bring in the best talent. We just talked about transfer talent and what they do, but I do think that they brought in the best talent, uh, with Matthew Mayer and Terrence Shannon. And I, I also think, I think Brad Underwood's a good coach and I think he's very good at adapting how he plays basketball to his roster. You know, you look at the first couple of years in the league, they were, they were running and pressing because that's kind of the dudes they had. And that was his old system. Then he gets Kofi, um, who's obviously a game changer, big man down low. And he come to me, he kind of completely changes everything to run through him. Um, and he's successful doing that too. So I, I think he brought in a lot of talent. And to me, I trust him to be able to you get the most out of that talent more than some other guys. So that's why Illinois is number one uh, to me. Uh, yeah. Indiana brings a lot of guys back from um, my dog's going off here. Um, Indiana brings a lot of guys back. They haven't been above 500 in the big 10 since 2016. So, and I know, I know it's only their coach's second year. So, um, and I, I can't hold what uh, his predecessors did against him, but I, I'm just always kind of, until they prove me something, I'm going to be in wait and see mode with Indiana. And then Michigan, Michigan State after that. Uh, Purdue, I, I'm going to put higher than maybe some people because I think Matt Painter is a good coach and they have a tradition of winning. Ohio State should be mm-hmm. good. But yeah, definitely more more wide open, I think, than, than normal. And we'll get out of here, but uh, Matty Sissoko ranked two spots ahead of Hunter Dickinson, according to 247 <laughs> in the 2020 class. I mean... Just wild to me, like how how anybody could look. I know that they rank based on NBA potential and ceiling, um, but that just tells you what people thought of his talent coming out of high school, you know. And his, I mean, it's and hard his to look size at that and athletic through. ability. Um, I mean, he, he he's still just a guy who hadn't played much college basketball or been much. I'm just going to say much basketball before he got there. So um, mm-hmm. maybe he'll take a big step this year. Yep. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the basketball chat since media days were on top of mind again, still time. Uh, we got over a month still, well, I guess less than a month now since the season starts. 25 days. Uh, all right, let's go. And Michigan state going to be a topic of conversation nationally early if for nothing else, because of their schedule, because which we'll get into more, I think down the line and we can get into more of this stuff uh, as the season gets closer. But uh I think that's going to do it for today's episode of M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. We appreciate everyone for listening. 
again, if you could please help us out by uh, giving us a rating or review or following and checking out our work at MLive.com slash Spartans. These guys do a good job staying on top of everything. And uh, I'm sure our news reporters, our education reporters will be on top of some of that other news going on at the university right now. So you can uh, check that out as well at MLive.com. Your one-stop shop for all Michigan State uh, stuff. So from Matt Wenzel and Kyle Austin, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Over here.